This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. It's the morning bulletin here on the Blood Red channel as we bring you your must-know stories from this morning's report. I'm Guy Clark and on Tuesday the 1st of September, these are your top stories. Football fans to return in early October as pilot leads to encouragement. Virgil van Dijk has his say on Manchester United's newest recruit. Sell to buy? Hertha Berlin's sporting director speaks on their interest in Marco Gruic. Plus, which Premier League club could possibly end up topping up the Reds' transfer kitty? The original transfer deadline day then passed yesterday, but things really hotting up now in the transfer window. But will we see Liverpool get involved? Alongside me to talk the morning's top stories, it's our Blood Red writer, Matt Addison. Matt, how are we this morning? Yeah, very good, thanks, mate. Fresh from watching a bit of the uh, Tottenham documentary last night. That was how I spent my evening and anybody's not seen it it's well worth a watch I'm sure you'll have seen a couple of little clips of, of Jose Mourinho on uh, social media and what have you but yeah it's uh, it's certainly an interesting watch and yeah there's a, a few different references to Liverpool I think without it being direct I think there is uh, a couple of bits that Liverpool fans might be interested in as well yeah and given what Jurgen Klopp said in the past about sort of cameras being in the dressing room can't can't imagine there'll be a Liverpool one anytime soon but how great would that be if we if we did get chance to see Jurgen Klopp and sort of the the team talks he does give out but anyway we've got plenty of transfers to come this morning but before that I think the question I've probably been asked most since lockdown, Matt, is when will fans return? Brighton, over the course of the weekend, held a pilot event. And whilst those there got to see Timo Werner score for Chelsea, the decision makers and the uh, powers that be were also seemingly happy with what they saw, according to the Mail this morning. Yeah, Brighton against Chelsea at the Amex was the sort of football version of the event. There were several different sports that took place this weekend with a few fans, I think two and a half thousand inside the Amex, the DCMS attended the game, were seemingly pleased. So it seems that the government are hoping that uh, spectators can be back in attendance sooner rather than later. And the uh, story in the mail, as you referenced, says that there could be around 10,000 at Wembley for the FA Vars on September the 12th. That's, of course, the same day that the new Premier League season kicks off. That's, I think, a lower league competition, isn't it? So... It seems to be going in the right way. Um, all sort of depends now on the infection rate and, and what happens next with that. But I suppose it also depends on on certain teams as well. I think with Liverpool, you've got the added complication of, of how far people will travel to come to Anfield. You know, not everybody is going to be within the local vicinity, as we know. And it's then a case of who's selected as well. I suppose it's, it's difficult for, for every single club to decide, you know, who is going to be part of that smaller uh, contingent of fans inside stadiums. So there's plenty of, of complications, I think, still to go. But I think everyone would agree, even if it was only a few hundred, if it was a thousand, you know, if it was more than fantastic. But however many there can be inside Anfield as soon as possible, you know, even if it's only a small number, that's better than nothing. So, yeah, I suppose the, the latest news is that it seems to be encouraging, at the very least, that we could have fans at least a very small number back from early October. And it's not going to be perfect. It's not going to be back to normal. Um, it's going to be a longer process to get people in and out without sort of uh, encroaching the sort of social distancing that will still be in place at that time. 
Again, there could be a second wave. There could be all sorts of new developments. But as it stands, it looks like football fans could be back in early October. I'm sure you know everyone will agree that that is an absolutely fantastic thing to be starting to talk about, even if there's no concrete plans in place just yet. Yeah, encouraging news. And hopefully we do get to see the return of fans before too long and great news for the uh, FA Trophy and FA Vars that maybe as many as 10,000 may be allowed at Wembley for that. We'll have to keep an eye on that one. On to the transfer front then, Matt, and plenty of talk around this morning. Liverpool might not be directly involved in it, but they will be taking more than a keen eye and will... Start then down the East Lanks with Manchester United, who, much like Chelsea, now seem to have found their wallet in this transfer market. And a piece we've got on the Echo this morning sees Virgil van Dijk talking about their latest recruit and what he's had to say on that piece of business. Yeah, I mean, first and foremost, Donny van der Beek signing for, for Manchester United, I think, is an unbelievably good signing. I think it's 35, 40 million, which is, you know, a reasonable fee for a player who was you know, an integral part of, of that team, the Ajax team, um, that got to the Champions League semi-finals. The year, of course, that Liverpool won that Champions League. So, look, they were a, a team that got pretty much dismantled. We've seen Hakim Ziyech this summer come to Chelsea. We've seen Frankie de Jong go to Barcelona last summer. You know, it, he was almost one that got overlooked in the transfer market, but he was certainly not overlooked on the pitch. He was really, really important. And I think this is going to be a fantastic signing for Manchester United. You do question quite where he fits in. Uh, if they've still got Paul Pogba, they've still got plenty of other midfielders. Obviously, Bruno Fernandes has been impressing and, and scoring plenty of goals. So I suppose it's uh, an addition to their squad as much as anything else. But I think, now I'm sure Ole Gunnar Solskjaer will want to find position for him in that first eleven because, as I say, a fantastic midfielder. So Virgil van Dijk essentially just says what you would expect him to say, really. He's uh, very much respectful of, of United, of, of the player as well. I'm sure it's someone that he knows well from his time with the Netherlands. He says it's great for the player, it's great for Dutch football, and it's obviously great for Manchester United as well. So, yeah, he, he mentions Nathan Ake, obviously, moved to Manchester City just to, to make sure he, he doesn't leave anyone out, but... Yeah, I think Virgil van Dijk echoing my thoughts, really. This is a fantastic piece of business for, for Manchester United, particularly at that sort of price tag as well. So, yeah, um, for Liverpool fans, probably not the, the greatest piece of news because he is a great player. But I think for the Premier League, it, it is going to be, generally speaking, a good thing. And we've mentioned just there before as well with Chelsea, obviously in the market and doing as much business as they've already done and signed to their not quite finished yet. Manchester United do seem to have maybe woken from a slumber. Of course, they've been chasing Jadon Sancho all summer and ESPN as well reporting that they might now even be looking at Dejan Upamecano at RB Leipzig. Yeah, again, uh, it would be a fantastic piece of business, I think, to get this done. Uh, ESPN linking United with him, plenty of, of other sites as well. Um, it seems to be that he is the next one on their radar. I mean, Rupert Meccano signed a new contract a few weeks ago, but reports in Germany seemingly suggesting that his release clause, once he signed that new deal, actually dropped from €60 million, Euros, which I think let's be honest, was, was probably a bargain anyway, but that's now dropped to, to 42 million euros. So, yeah, it's it's going to be interesting to see what happens. For me, it's a similar sort of situation to, to Jadon Sancho, really. I think I've said on this podcast before that I don't really understand why United haven't paid the money for Sancho. I think at, at 100 million for Sancho, it would be 
an absolute bargain considering um, sort of the the goals, the assists, the age that he has, the potential that he has. It's a similar sort of thing really for, for Upamecano, particularly at 42 million euros. It just seems like an absolute no-brainer. So, yeah, United do have a tendency to drag out these deals. We saw with Harry Maguire, we saw with Bruno Fernandes. Eventually, I think they, they possibly will go and, and just put the money down, but they don't tend to just do it straight away. It, it tends to be something that comes a few weeks down the line to almost just to, to make it look like they've tried to get that price tag down, even though there's not really any sort of suggestion that that would ever be possible. So, But if Manchester United end up with Van der Beek, Upamecano and, and Jadon Sancho this summer, that would be an incredible transfer window for them. But it's a, a long way off that happening at the moment. And just to, to mention a couple of other things in, in relation to this transfer as well, Upamecano was one of the players that Jesse Marsh picked out when I, I spoke to him a few months ago that, he suggested would be a perfect player for Liverpool. Um, I'm sure a lot of fans will be sort of thinking, you know, why at, at that price are, are Liverpool not going in for him? And should they be? Um, I think the only reason they're not probably is Joe Gomez. I think Liverpool have already got an excellent young uh, defender. Would you bring in Upamecano? Um, even for, you know, forgetting the, the price tag, would you bring in a player of, of that quality and, and say to him he's not going to be you know, in your first 11 week in, week out, which, you know, as long as Gomez and, and Van Dijk are fit, Upamecano would not get into Liverpool's team at, at this stage. So I think that's probably the reason why Liverpool won't be interested. But I would be surprised if it was only Manchester United who were interested, given that €42 million Euro clause. And the other thing as well is uh, I wrote a piece the other day, um, just a couple of hours actually before the, the Dr. Van der Beek um story broke that United were interested in him uh, and that basically said that, that Liverpool were right uh, in their transfer market approach because you know Manchester United were being cautious as well they haven't signed anyone um, officially certainly they hadn't at that stage um, but yeah I, I think you know I got a fair bit of stick for that sort of piece but the, the general point still stands Manchester United are not throwing money at things um, they're not going out and, and signing Jaden Sancho for that 100 million, which I think in another summer they probably would have had to by now because you know several other clubs would have been in for him as well. So, yeah, even though it, it does seem like things are picking up for Manchester United in that transfer market, potentially bringing in a, a couple of, of fantastic players, I still think that the point stands that you know COVID nineteen has had a huge influence not just on on Liverpool but plenty of of other clubs as well and. Ultimately, United do have more money. They probably will end up spending more money than Liverpool this summer. But I think it, it just puts into context, really, the, the sort of situation that we're in at the moment. Yeah, and just to echo that point, even on Donny van der Beek, he was all set for a move to Real Madrid prior to the lockdown. And of course, look how things have played out on their finances, not allowing them to complete that move. So now he's off to Manchester United, Dale Upamecano, and who knows, Jadon Sancho, if United did pull off all three of those deals, they would look considerably stronger with those three coming through the door. Not obviously what Liverpool fans want to hear, but a, a quick update on the rest of the rivals then before we get into the rest of the morning's 
stories and Chelsea look likely to confirm the signing of Kai Havertz. They might even get that one done by the end of the week, according to Sky Sports. Plus plenty of chat continuing this morning around Lionel Messi, his situation and of course those links to Manchester City. So plenty of Liverpool's rivals doing business in the window. Next, with Liverpool's rivals getting that business done, we'll discuss which club are keeping close tabs on one of the Reds midfielders who's been ava- who's been made available for transfer this summer and how could Leeds United be the club to swell Jurgen Klopp's transfer kitty thanks to the genius of Michael Edwards The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo Marco Gruic then, Matt, a player we've spoken about a number of times on the morning morning bulletin throughout the course of the summer already. And whether or not by the middle of October, he'll still be at Anfield. On the Echo, our colleague Sean Bradbury's been looking into some comments made by Hertha Berlin's sporting director. Yeah, Michael Preetz of uh, Hertha Berlin seemingly suggesting really that they would be interested in taking Marco Gruic on loan again, he sort of seems to be suggesting that they will wait and see what happens with the player this summer. Liverpool, as we understand it, want £20 million for Marco Gruic. They don't want to send him on loan. They only want that to be a permanent transfer. So at the moment, it doesn't look like Gruic is going anywhere, that being the case. You know, that stance could well soften. I think it probably will soften if the situation stays as it is. I think it's highly unlikely, to be honest, that Liverpool will get 20 million this summer. We've spoken so many times, not just on this podcast today, but, you know, previously as well about the situation with COVID-19. Teams don't have that sort of money to be splashing around. I don't think anybody is going to pay that sort of money for, for the player, which Liverpool would then have to make a big decision, I think. Would you keep around a player who is, what, 24 now, approaching the sort of best time of, of his career? Would it be the best thing for him to stick around and, and pretty much not get any or, or certainly get very few minutes um, apart from maybe a, an odd league cup tie or, or something like that? Would that be the best thing for the club? Would it be the best thing for the player? I don't think the answer to either of those questions is yes. So it'd be interesting to, to see what happens. The, the stance from Liverpool at this stage is that they don't want to send him out on loan again. But I would suggest that possibly in three or four weeks' time, if if nothing has changed, that stance may well soften and, and Liverpool could end up letting him go on loan. If they do let him go on loan, Hertha Berlin potentially, you know, he's been there for the last couple of seasons, done well. They obviously like him. They want him to go back there. I'm sure there'd be plenty of other teams as well. We've spoken in the past about AC Milan, Atalanta being potentially interested. I wonder whether Marco Gruic would want to go somewhere else after you know spending two years in Berlin. Would there be uh, the potential to, to go and try out a, a different league? Could he maybe stay in the Premier League? I'm sure there'd be certainly teams interested in him. I know Aston Villa have held an interest in, in taking him on loan in the past. You know, you think potentially could someone like that come in for him? You'd certainly think so. So I think there will be plenty of options for Marco Gruic if Liverpool do end up going back on, on what they've said in terms of this loan deal. But look, there's, there's plenty of time, just under five weeks of, of the transfer window to go. So look, it, it's one of those situations where at the moment it seems set in stone that he will only leave on a permanent transfer. But you know, how set in stone that is, I'm not actually convinced that that is the case, to be honest. I think certainly that is one that we could see Liverpool change their minds on, certainly, before the end of this transfer window. 
Yeah, and of course we've seen over the last couple of years with Danny Ings and Ovi Ajaria that Liverpool have started doing those loans with an obligation to buy at the end of them. So maybe that might be a way round it on this one. But of course with Michael Edwards and with him about Matt, it's not always the Reds needing to sell their own players to generate funds. And with Leeds United sniffing round a couple of former Reds players reportedly, Liverpool's opening day opponents could be about to uh, help provide some funds in the transfer window for Liverpool. Yep, absolutely. Uh, Luis Alberto was a player that didn't particularly impress Liverpool fans during his time at, at Anfield, but certainly could do since he's moved away. Obviously, a £6.8 million signing from Sevilla. As I say, didn't do particularly great for Liverpool, but has since flourished back in Syria and you know, goals, assists, he, he sort of transformed into the ultimate attacking midfielder, really, whilst he's been over um, at Lazio. So, you know, he left for, for 4.3 million. Uh, Liverpool obviously made it a little bit of a loss on that transfer fee, but crucially, they did have a 30% sell-on fee uh, inserted uh, as a clause into that contract. So, whatever uh, move he makes next, Liverpool will make 30% on him. So, um, given how impressive he's been for Lazio, you'd imagine uh, one of the best in Syria in his position. The fact that Leeds United are linked, you'd imagine probably one or two other clubs that are quite keen too. So if they do come in um, and his release clauses is, is €87 million. I don't think there's any chance of, of anyone paying that. The suggestion is that, that Lazio might want £67 million. Again, I don't think there's a massive chance of, of anybody paying that. But if uh, Leeds or, or any other team could potentially persuade Lazio to let him leave for a more reasonable fee, shall we say, a lesser fee than, than that. Potentially, Liverpool could stand to gain. So, yeah, 30% of, of whatever Lazio accept, Liverpool will take. So, you know, you, you look at that £87 million release clause, what would that be? You know, a significant chunk added to you know, more than £20 million would be added to, to Liverpool's kitty if, if that was the case. So, it's certainly one to, to watch out for, but I suppose it's it's sort of unlikely to be uh, a figure anywhere near that release clause just because of, of how high that is and, and the sort of standing of the teams that are interested. So certainly one to keep an eye on, but we shall see what happens. But yeah, certainly it could be a welcome boost for Liverpool. And, and Ryan Kent, the other one as well, uh, reportedly um, there is a similar clause, uh, I think slightly less, I think it might be 20%. Um, but I'm not 100% sure on that. But um, in Ryan Kent's uh, deal that took him to Rangers, Leeds again being linked with a move for him. Uh, so we'll have to, to sort of see how that sort of works out. Again, Liverpool could stand to gain with a, a sell-on clause in that potentially if reports are to believe. So, yeah, either way, Liverpool's transfer kitty could be boosted by Leeds United before that first game of the season or even after it, of course, because the, the transfer window is uh, still open for a few weeks after that. So, yeah, certainly want to, to keep an eye on. And again, it's it's just the, the latest example, really, of the genius that is Michael Edwards. Um, we've said it so many times before. We we know what he brings to the table, but you know, this is uh, another tangible example, I think, if, if one of those, or certainly one of, if not both of these deals, do come to fruition for Liverpool. 
Yeah, we'll keep an eye on those and see how they do play out. But with the Reds' rivals beginning to do so much business, I suppose a few are beginning to get a little bit nervy. Before we go, though, as we often like to do here on the Morning Bulletin, a quick look through the archives. And today marks seven years since Daniel Sturridge scored the only goal at Anfield in a 1-0 win over Manchester United on what was the eve of what would have been Bill Shankly's 100th birthday. Coincidentally, today's also Sturridge's birthday as well. He turns 31. So many happy returns to him. Don't forget, keep an eye on the Echo throughout the day, including the Daily Transfer blog, which will round up all the big Liverpool transfer news in one place for you. And in the description of this podcast, you can also find the link to the twice daily newsletter. Liverpool transfers straight to your inbox without you even needing to go looking. Why not? We'll keep an ear out for us with what's to come on Blood Red later today and keep an eye on the Blood Red YouTube channel too. But from Matt Addison and myself, Guy Clark, thanks for joining us here on the Morning Bulletin. That's all for now. You've been listening to the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo.